so strange wow the process okay you know take it back to the first time right the first yeah. time i decided we have a grocery store in california called gelson's and and gelson's is a nice grocery store and i thought okay let me just try to go to gelson's as a man and see how i do <laughs> and you know i'm sitting there looking at products on the shelf and i've got the basket kind of like if you can imagine it's in the crook of my elbow like a purse <laughs> And I've got one hand on my hip and I'm looking at like, what do I want? And I'm realizing, oh, wait, no, slouch. You, you got to walk like a duck. You got to hold that cart. You, you can't be holding that cart like a purse. Because I have this posture and everything. So for me, I had to really like you know, hunker down and get kind of dumpy looking, kind of like more, you know. And... Peekaboo, you fuck you. I see you, motherfucker. Do you want to talk, or do you want to bet? We had two bags of grass, 75 pellets of mescaline, five sheets of high-powered water acid, a salt shaker half full of cocaine, a whole galaxy of multicolored uppers, downers, screamers, lappers, also a quarter tequila, quarter rum, case of beer, pint of raw ether, two dozen in Counting cards is a foolproof system. It's also illegal. It's not illegal, it's frowned upon, like masturbating on an airplane. I'm pretty sure that's illegal too. Yeah, maybe after 9-11 where everybody gets sensitive. Thanks a lot, Bitbot. Well, welcome back, guys, to another episode. This is number 76 of Vegas Confessions. How you doing? I'm Julian, and I'm joined by my two co-hosts, as always. I'm Kelly. I'm Vince. And guys, we got a very exciting episode coming up. I mean, we told you guys last week we dropped a little special clip about watching this documentary. And man, we are excited to have on the show the creator of the documentary, Miss Sandra Moore. How are you doing, Sandra? Hey, guys. Thank you for having me. I love your show. I was lucky. One of the few great things that came out of this whole quarantine mess is that I discovered your show. And it's just so natural and so fun. And if you love gambling, it you know, I just think it's the place to be. It's, you covered so many different topics. It, it really is great. And thank you for doing it because I know that's a lot of work. It, thank you. It's a lot of fun to do, especially we chat and we always make a joke about, you know, we have an hour, guys. Let's see what happens in an hour. And we always want to go over. We never feel like we got our topics in that we wanted to talk about naturally. So, again, it's a pleasure to have you on. And I know these guys are excited to drill you on a bunch of questions when it comes to this documentary. Great. Let's go. I'm very excited. I love everything that has to do with gambling except losing. So let's have, let's have some fun. <laughs> right up our well, alley. this is the wrong podcast then. <laughs> awesome. So before we jump into the actual interview, I do want to jump into a shout out real quick that I have to get in there. And it's to one of our very own that's having a birthday this week. Vince from the podcast. Yes, happy birthday, Happy Vince. birthday, buddy. We happy hope birthday. you have a good one. Obviously, happy the- birthday, Vince. It's your birthday song. It isn't very long. Thank you. It's tomorrow. I'll be having a birthday dinner at my kitchen table. So, uh, but I'm okay with it. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's just another one. It's, right. it's a definitely a different. It's definitely a weird one. But isn't that strange to celebrate this way? It yeah. really is. We we canceled our first recording because we actually had the birthday drive by for one of my nieces. Yes. So that was yeah. really fun. It we, was her seventh birthday, yeah. and it was our first oh. drive by birthday. But we decorated our car. We put happy birthday streamers. Yeah. We did some balloons oh. on there, and then literally yeah. just drove by, honked. We bought the kids air oh. horns. The kids had air horns as we were driving by, and we gave her her present and. Uh, Done. We were like, we should do more parties this way. Yeah, this should be a thing. <laughs> it's easy. Yeah, so much easier. It's less fattening and everything. That's right. Awesome. So, again, brother, happy birthday from us from the podcast. Thank and we appreciate having you on, my friend. No, t- no problem. And, Thank again, you. so let's let's get to know a little more about Sandra. Sandra, let us know a little more of your background and, you know, what, how you got into this kind of stuff. Okay. Well, It was such a surprise to discover poker, actually. You know, I've had a lot of interest in my life. I moved out when I was very young, started paying rent at 15 or 16, put myself through college, got a Bachelor of Science in film and television, and worked in the industry for a long time in Los Angeles. 
And after a while, that industry started to wane a little bit. You know, everybody had HD cameras. When I started in the industry, just my editing system was $110,000 just so I could accommodate HD video. Well, of course, now we have 4K video, which is far superior. And you could buy an editing system to accommodate that for $4,000. So the whole industry changed so much that at a certain point, I decided to retire. About 2012, I decided, you know, I had fun. I made a lot of documentaries and a lot of movies, worked at Nickelodeon, worked for HBO and MTV and all these different places and just wanted to take a break from it because it is a very, very tough job. You spend a lot of time sitting, especially if you're an editor or director like I was, um, sitting in a chair, looking at stuff over and over and over again. I discovered um, in that retirement period poker and wow. I was completely floored. I didn't think I would ever be so excited about something again in my adult life. (laughs) You know, you have things that you go through in life. You know, I used to play the drums and that was amazing. And then I got into this whole thing where I was writing books and that was amazing. And of course, the movie business was amazing. And I used to love to club and I used to love to be recreational big time. And that was amazing. But what was I going to do now? Poker came along and just swept me off my feet. I learned to play the game which takes five minutes to learn, as I say in the movie, and a lifetime to master. And you it's just such a beautiful, amazing game. I mean, truly, the number of combinations of situations that you can get in any single hand of poker, it's never the same for literally billions of hands. And some people say there are more stars in there. There are uh, there are fewer stars in the sky than there are actual situations in a a round of Texas Hold'em. Because every single time, personalities, psychology, um, ability to be brave, uh, ability to be deceptive, all these things along with the cards that you're holding come into play. And you can literally walk off with a huge pot, sometimes millions of dollars, not even holding winning cards. So that's what I just fell in love with the game. And that led to me coming back to my real love and that is filmmaking. And I decided to make a movie about the best women in poker because in poker, only about 7% of the players at any poker room are female. Most of the time when you sit down at a poker table, you won't be sitting with another female. And to to see these women that were making two, three, four, five, six million, eleven million dollars in their career just playing a card game, I was fascinated, and I kind of wanted to be close to them. I wanted to know how they did it and what kind of thought, what their thought processes were like. Yeah. So I decided to make a movie called Poker Queens. Sandra, let me ask you something real quick. What actually introduced you to the game? Like, was was it a friend that took you to the casino? Did you happen to be just walking by, or? Yeah, the way I was introduced to poker was I was uh, in a relationship that I'm still in now, very happily. And uh, my partner was constantly playing on the telephone, on the cell phone games and Angry Birds and Candy Crush. And uh, frankly, I was just so bored with not doing anything on my side of the bed that I decided just to pull up this app called Zynga. And Zynga had this game called uh, poker, which I'd never played before. I knew so little about the game that I had to use their little helper, a little helper bar that told you if you had a good hand or not. If it was green, you had a good hand. If it was red, you should probably fold. And that's how I learned. It's on the Zynga app on my cell phone. And was there something in that that first introduction that just grabbed you right away or it just sort of developed? Yeah, I think poker is the kind of thing that you know, just probably like almost anything, you know, the first at first glance, football seemed very foreign to me. And at first glance, you know, chess seemed very foreign to me. But poker is the kind of thing that at first you get the general concepts, then you start kind of warming up and feeling your way around. And then you start to discover this whole world opens up of strategy and the psychology of tricking somebody or of knowing when you have the best hand and getting the most money back for it. So yeah, it was a it was a gradual love affair that just continues to this day to get, you know, it's just more and more exciting to me all the time. Cool. Now, when putting this together, how hard was it for you to get in touch with a lot of the uh, poker players? Was it hard to be like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm putting a documentary together? How many, you know, cold shoulders did you get? What was that like? Well, putting a documentary together it usually gets one of two reactions. Either the person is way too busy or way too disinterested to give you the time of day, or they're really fascinated by the idea. Because of course, 
I knew this movie would be destined for Amazon Prime. And that's fun for people. They're like, wow, you know, maybe it will do something that will not only be fun to watch that I can be part of and share with my family and friends, but something that maybe will attract more women to poker or inspire other women. And I came at it with that that kind of approach. I called up and I said, you know, you're you're the deal. You are it. You are what I would love to see in this movie if I were watching a movie about women in poker. So what do you say? You know, do you think we can get together and do a do an interview? And some of them, t- Jennifer Tilly took me a year mm-hmm. uh, of, oh my God, over and over and over. In fact, when I was driving out to Jennifer Tilly's house in LA, it was like two hours of traffic. I, I fully expected ha- halfway there that she, she might have to, you know, she was on her way to Rome. She may have to reschedule. I even offered to get her a limousine and drive her to the airport so that I could interview her in the limousine. So you have to get creative. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Right. Oh, cool. Overall, they were pretty open. There were some people that were a little suspicious, like, what are you trying to get from me? Are you trying to use my name, exploit me? Um, Are you going to make me look bad? Um, You know, and it's with a documentary, you can't really let the the people in the documentary take control of the content because honestly, none of us think we look great on camera. Usually none of us think we said things just right, usually. And to have each person in the editing room with you just really messes with the storytelling. So you had to get that person that was comfortable enough with themselves to sit down, be candid, be comfortable in front of the camera for a few minutes. Um, tell us a little bit about themselves and how their thinking is and how their childhood was. And, and then um, hand it over and have trust in me to represent them respectfully. And I would guess that some of them would, you know, I would guess the question of is there fees or something that would come up on some of that, right? Like, like would money be an issue with some of them? Like, is it a paid gig? Is it, you know, that type of thing? Or right. that was never really an issue? It was an issue. We had people say yes, and as they heard about more women being in the movie, uh, suddenly they wanted to maybe jockey for uh, a payday. And I, you know, I really attribute that to the fact that these are poker players. I mean, their <laughs> job is to sit down at a table and get your money. Right. <laughs> and so, you know, for them to try to get the best deal they can and make sure that they came out ahead was just, I think, a natural um, instinct. But a lot of people don't realize that that classically speaking, a documentary isn't a documentary if people are paid to be in it. Right. That's what I was wondering. Becomes slightly less real. And in fact, there are film festivals that will reject your documentary. You have to specifically tell them that you didn't pay for any interviews. That's interesting. Oh, wow. I think what I found most intriguing, Sandra, is as I looked at all of the women that you interviewed, the variety of age. You know, you have from the 22, 25 year olds all the way to like the 50, 60 year olds. And I love that it shows women of all ages that can play the game and master the game and aren't afraid to sit down at that table with, you know, anybody. Yeah. Yeah. I really I really enjoyed. And each person you interviewed, I was like, oh, who's next? Yeah. Ooh, who's next? Because, you know, Julie and I, we don't come from the Texas Hold'em world. No. We do gambling of all sorts, yeah. but we've neither one of us have actually sat down. Right at a Texas Hold'em table, nor um, did it online. No. So, I mean, we both sat down and we're like, wow, this is cool, well, you know? And the biggest part for me, <laughs> I think the, the turning point for me is watching it and hearing her say throughout the video, you know, you can catch on to this quick. And it, it, it doesn't have to be a, you know, a mind fuck game. And when you're seeing the family and the little girls playing the game and the little baby yeah. actually winning <laughs> in her face, like, oh, yeah, it clicks that she won. Like, OK, it can be simple. It can be a family game. Like and you guys have always heard me say on the show, I've never played poker because of that mind fuck. I don't want to, you know, look at somebody while I'm taking their money. I want casinos money, not the guy looking pissed off that I'm going to take his money because I I just it's never been for me. So, yeah, I like the way you guys broke that down. And, you know, you're inviting people to the game and also showing them, you know, it's super easy at the same time. Yeah. And also, too, when you start playing poker with people that regularly play poker, um, I would say 90 percent of the time they're they're okay losing and winning. Uh, it, after all, gambling itself isn't as much fun if you don't lose sometimes. Honestly, it wouldn't yeah. be fun if every time you put right. a quarter in, you got money. Uh, it's uh, I sometimes wonder if I get as addicted to, if I could be addicted to gambling, if I get as addicted to the loss as I do to the, to the win because it's so intense. You know, when that last card comes out and it just obliterates you and you have to 
to shove all your chips over. That's intense living. You are in the now right then. And so I think, you know, whether you're taking money from other people or, you know, the money just the chips sort of just gravitate from one side of the table to the other and back again, the really, really um, seasoned players know that that's just part of the game and they enjoy both sides. Right. Well, and that's one of the things that I told Jay, because, you know, I do a lot of sports gambling, but the only other gambling that I really do, I'd say about 90, 95% is poker. But I told Jay, unless you win like a major tournament or, or, you know, just a really big score, it's not your wins that you think about. It's all the losses, the bad beats. Those are the things that actually stick out in your head all the time. It, so and, you know, people think that it's when it, when you win and it's not. It's when this guy caught whatever on the river and you're like, you'll think about that three months later, but I couldn't, even though I had a winning April, I couldn't tell you how much I won each session or whatever, but I could tell you this one major hand that I lost. Right. And it's sort of this weird flip of a dynamic compared to what regular gambling is. Oh, I think that's yeah. what Kristen talks it's, about in the interview, right? On the documentary. She talks right. about, like, and you know, like months later, she's still thinking about yeah. that one hand. Yeah, it was April and she was thinking <laughs> right? about a hand in September. Something yeah. like yeah. that, yeah. <laughs> it's still bugged Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you know, that. it sticks with you in part because you had control over the situation. Like you could have, in, in those situations that hang on us, usually they're not just a flip of the card that was bad luck. Usually it's because we made a mistake. Yeah. And that's what we beat ourselves up about because we had control. We had the ability to fold pocket aces you know we knew we were beat there was a straight out there there was a flush out there whatever it was we knew we were beat but pocket aces oh they're so pretty we called anyway we lost three hundred dollars on that <laughs> hand and we hate ourselves for it yeah right now and, and see that's what i was trying to tell you jay you know once you put the money in the blackjack circle the cards are the what what they are yeah. you know there's still some decisions or whatever but if you have a 20 and the dealer has a six there's nothing to do and if the dealer beats you he beat you they, you didn't have any control yeah. but in poker if I don't want to enter the pot, I don't enter the pot. Yeah. Like, I think she, you know, Sandra's correct in that, in a way, you beat yourself in poker because yeah. you had to make the bad call. You had to make the wrong bet. You had to. And so there's this weird, you know, you walk away from the table going, oh, I'm a stupid ass. You know, why did I do this? And it just eats at your soul like you wouldn't believe it. <laughs> Right. You know, I tell people like that don't understand the the uh, that eat at your soul feeling that you get, uh, Vincent, when you're when you lose. I tell people I don't know what it is, but the best way I can describe that feeling, that emotion, right at that moment. Imagine if you had thousands of dollars in your wallet or your purse, and you suddenly realized you left it on the bus. Uh, or imagine that you just found out, God forbid, that your partner cheated on you. It's this horrible, gut-wrenching, and that's the only way I can really describe right, it. it. And is. I don't even know why it's like that, but it's intense. Yeah. And you'll talk yourself into a call. You'll talk yourself into a fold. And if, you know, you don't see the other player's cards, even that gets at you. Did I make the right call? Did I make the wrong? There could be one hand that you didn't even really see the cards face up type of result. Mm -hmm. But it still eats away at you because, you know, unless you're on the World Poker Tour or the WSOP or whatever, you don't get to see the hand on TV. So the rest of your life, you're questioning yourself about that one hand. Did he have it? Didn't he have it? Did, it's just those type of things. You have no idea if you haven't played poker, Jay, yeah. how much it will just destroy you emotionally. But it's the greatest thing in the world. And you know what's <laughs> interesting? It's so intense. You know what's interesting you know, I, about what you said oh, yeah. is that the analogies that you made are so true, but yet we live and learn from those two experiences, yep. but true gamblers, we go back the next night to do it all again, to relive it all again. It's a sad <laughs> truth. Yeah. Yeah. And it's true because, you know, we'll have a horrible night at the casino and like two days later, we're like, let's go do it again. <laughs> you know, like and the same thing I'm sure on, on the, on the Texas Hold'em table is you're like, all right, I'm still going back. Right. <laughs> I'm going and, back. And it's funny because it leads into what, I watch a lot of YouTube uh, vloggers who happen to be poker players. So my buddy, the trooper, which, you know, his coffee and he's mentioned mm -hmm. in the video. And then my other buddy, Ryan DePaulo, he's in there. His friend I love Jeff Ryan Bosey. DePaulo. Yeah. I mean, just good friends. And, you know, to see them in the documentary and the community that it reached out to and, you know, it just involved because everybody that just has that love for poker. And so when you're watching these guys who have the bad beats and they're, you know, they're trying to explain <laughs> it, but. There's no explanation for it. You just know. And so that's what me as the outside 
person looking in, I'm like, God, I already know what these guys are talking about. I've never even played the game, but I know their lingo and what they're breaking down and why they're so pissed off at themselves. And so to see it said in this video is like, it all makes total perfect sense. Or even the uniforms. The uniforms is what got me, you know, the sweatpants, the baggy clothes, the glasses, just yeah. hanging out comfy. Or yeah. the backpacks. I never thought, yeah. you know, nutrition bars, yeah. energy drinks. I'm like, what? Like, but I guess if you're going to be sitting for six, seven, eight hours, yeah. I don't know. Is it longer than that? Can can you, oh, can easily. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, oh, yeah. I mean, you want to yeah. have provisions, I guess. I mean, you want to yeah. be able to yeah. sustain yourself at the at the table now my only other question would be like do do people actually wear like depends or something can they get up from the table <laughs> like how does that work do you get potty that breaks I haven't seen. yeah if you, you yeah you you can okay. well if you're playing a cash game you can get up at any time um and if you're playing a tournament there's usually a break about once every two hours oh okay um but yeah but tournaments can go on for like as you saw in the movie they can go on for four and five days and oh each goodness. day is a 14 12 to 14 hours and it is really hard on your body yeah and you know that people of all ages can play the game if they can they have that kind of stamina to sit there and stay focused stay energized in their brain yeah. and be able to make good decisions and um but yeah it's just Every single hand that is dealt, say every two minutes, it's almost like the whole world opens up again. It's a whole brand new opportunity. Right. And it's just so exciting. And the dopamine rush is just amazing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Well, and to talk about rushes, the, the one thing that stuck out to me, and, you know, I heard the story a few years ago on Gambling with an Edge, just the whole uh, approach of, you know, the going uh, to the black, going to the tournament, uh, entering it as a man in the disguise. That obviously got my attention. Now, talk about the rush. I think the best part, one of the best parts of the documentary for me was the actual flipping of the coin. Heads, I'm going to go as, yeah. as a man today. <laughs> Tails, I'm going in as a woman. Like, that was, I was laughing so hard with Kelly. Like, it, it just, but how, how did you start to get comfortable after a while, you know, in these disguises? Did Was it always in the back of your mind? Like, they know, or did you just, you know, you got used to being in character and it was, you know, go time? Uh, you know, it was really, it's so strange. Wow. The process. Okay. You know, take it back to the first time, right? The first yeah. time I decided we have a grocery store in California called Gelson's and, and Gelson's is a nice grocery store. And I thought, okay, let me just try to go to Gelson's as a man and see how I do. <laughs> and, you know, I'm sitting there looking at products on the shelf and I've got the basket kind of like, if you can imagine it's in the crook of my elbow, like a purse <laughs> and I've got one hand on my hip. And I'm looking at like, what do I want? And I'm realizing, oh, wait, no, slouch. You, you, you got to walk like a duck. You got to hold that cart. You, you can't be holding that cart like a purse. <laughs> well, you know, I'm so such a like, sort of like, you know, I, I all of my life people would say, are you about, do you, are, do you do ballet? Because I have this posture and everything. So for me, I had to really like you know, hunker down and get kind of dumpy looking, kind of like more, <laughs> you know, and I remember when I uh, checked out, I was pretty sure the cashier could tell because, um, I just, I hadn't mastered it yet. It takes a while to get comfortable like that. You know, I'm so used to being a woman and I love being a woman. And uh, I remember the cashier was, it's, I think it was a like a Mexican American woman or something like that. And she looked at me like, oh, you're so local. I know you trans, you transgender lady in America. I don't know. Oh, <laughs> she was looking at me like this country's so crazy. <laughs> Now, Sandra, to be clear, when you originally did this, that was for a book or was that going to be the original documentary was the dressing as a man? I, I'm sorry. It's been a, it's been almost a sure. week now since I saw the movie. And so oh, no little... problem. process was I uh, loved poker, decided to write a book about what it was like to play as a woman, because I noticed it seemed like when I played online and I pretended like I was a man that people treated me differently. They would not call my raises more and stuff like that. And as I was writing the book, it occurred to me. I wrote a book called Black Widow Poker about two years ago. It occurred to me, wow, if I can do this online and get a different result and a better result and win more, 
what would happen if I went live, my preferred way of playing, and sat down to the table as a man? And I live in L.A., so it's easy for me to get the right makeup. Yeah. So that was the whole book, and I wrote about that experience in Black Widow Poker. Now, as a filmmaker, I came back to, wow, I want to make a documentary about women in poker. Mm-hmm. A woman's never won the World Series, for example, in 50 years. Why is that? You know, and I wanted to right. kind of just, I just thought it would be a great way to go to the World Series of Poker and experience the best women and all that. Now, as I'm doing the documentary, things start to go sideways. Investors start to go this and, you know, problems with this and legal problems with this and don't use our logo and you can't shoot on the floor and all this stuff started messing with the documentary. And as I was getting closer and closer to edit time, well, I was editing all along, but as I was getting closer and closer to really creating the story, I realized there's not a story. I got to put myself in here. And I've got to show my journey making the documentary as well. And that includes these people got to see what I did and how I dressed as a man and showed up at the casino and how that went. Well, one of the questions I wanted to ask you, there was a part in the in the movie where you're talking about where you're driving. And I believe you were listening to a podcast or something on the radio. And that's when you found out that the WSOP wasn't going to allow you to enter dressed up as a man. What was the reasoning they ge- they gave you? Because I've seen guys dressed up in costumes. I've seen them dressed up as Elvis. I've seen them, you know, you know, numerous outfits. But what was the particular "you can't do this as a man" type thing? I I, I didn't understand that. Yeah. Okay. So the World Series of Poker is run by Caesars Interactive Entertainment. Caesars basically right. heard of Caesars a million times. Um, now Caesars, I I assume they're kind of conservative. They have a private event. It's called the World Series of Poker. It costs $10,000 to play right. the main event. It's a big ticket price. And they have the ability under these circumstances to control whatever they want. Now, back about several years ago, Jennifer Tilly, who's a, a famous poker player and actress, she, her boyfriend, Bill Locke, mm-hmm. is also oh, very, Phil Locke is a well-known poker player. He decided to show up at the World Series of Poker disguised as an old man he right, figured I remember that okay yeah he figured you know every time i sit down everybody knows who i am they've seen me play on tv i'm gonna go ahead and disguise myself so that i can just play my cards without that all that uh, supposition and all those people coming up to me and bothering me probably and asking for whatever and they also and play I- you differently and they'll play you differently. So he decided to do that. They discovered about halfway through, or I'm not sure how far in, they discovered it was him. And they made a rule called the Phil Locke rule. And that rule said that you couldn't cover your face with a disguise. Now, the problem is, I believe that they made that rule in large part because if they don't have stars showing right. up, if, in other words, if Phil Hellmuth That's part or of the draw. That's the draw. I mean, that's ESPN. That's TV. That's what everybody's watching for Daniel Negrato and so on. If they show up as looking like somebody that they're, you know, that's not the star that they're hoping to see at the World Series, that really costs them a lot of uh, PR. So I think that was part of the reason. I mean, of course, identity reasons, you want to be sure you're paying the right person, etc. But my argument, and they use that to say why I couldn't dress as a man. But what my argument was, I went ahead and played the World Series of Poker dressed as a total like blonde, bustier, sexed out kind of girl with glasses and a hat that looks nothing like me. Because mm-hmm. I pretty much look like a regular, more of a Jodie Foster soccer mom. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, and so I, my argument was, why can't I wear a blonde wig and glasses and do my makeup entirely different, but I can't show up? with uh you know hair around my chin because right. i that, thought that's what i'm saying because i've watched some of the the poker tournaments where a guy's dressed up in a full elvis outfit he looks right. nothing like if you take the sideburns the big hair and the glasses off he looks nothing like what he looked like in there so that's why i was like what's the difference i i didn't get that and another thing is too like let's say a guy shows up you know i told you the tournaments go on for five days let's say he shows up the first day in a beard and then on day two or day three, as he gets closer to the final table, he shaves the beard. He no longer looks, especially to strangers, like the same person. Right. And so there were some arguments I made, but I unfortunately couldn't really fight my way out of it. And that's why they decided to tell me, you know, and that's what I heard on the bo- podcast in the car was, if she shows up, dresses a guy, not only will we kick her out, but we'll keep her $10,000 entry fee as, as well. And that's when I realized I'm not going to be able to beat these guys. They're just too big. 
So I understand in a way they want to keep control and they, they do ID purposes and so on. But, um, uh, it would be fun to play that way. Now I had a, I had kind of a fantasy that if I, if the, I mean, God forbid, I hate this coronavirus thing, but right. if they act, it wasn't until today, actually today, I think it's April 20th, who knows? Um, <laughs> that they, <laughs> I think it was actually today that the WSOP finally decided to cancel their summertime event, which is, in my mind, a petri dish for coronavirus oh, yeah. because oh, yeah. all you're doing is right. sitting, you're literally touching shoulder to shoulder and passing chips and cards constantly. And so I was thinking if they did actually have it, it would be fun because I could actually put the mask on and on my mask, I could put a little hair around the mask. (laughs) (laughs) Very true. Very true. Yeah. And you were saying even, even your lawyers had told you that you didn't have a case there, that type because it's already prior, it's already stated. So is is that the reasoning? I mean, your best case would be your best case would be some huge PR push where you made it so uncomfortable for them to do that, you know, bringing up things about transgender, which I'm not. And I didn't really want to exploit that because if somebody is transgender, I don't want to come in and, right, you know, right. that's not like my position to be. So I just decided, you know, this is what I'm being served. I'm just going to, you know, deal with it. And what do they say? Acknowledge and proceed. Have you thought about doing it like, maybe at a local casino like you know it doesn't have to be the grand stage of the world series have you thought of uh trying it just you know locally at say a smaller tournament you know a couple hundred dollar buy-in at your local casino type thing or you just gave up on it uh completely no i've done it a lot oh (laughs) (laughs) i like it i like it I think, I've done it a lot, and when I pay for my ticket, I'm always like, okay, they always look like, wait, what? What's this name? And I just pretend like I'm foreign. Sandra. How have your results been? Good. You know, it's a different experience entirely. It's really weird. Like, it's the funniest thing. When you sit down to a poker table as a woman, even if you're not, you know, a super attractive woman, you're different. And there is the gender thing and guys will be chatty and they'll sort of be nice or they'll chat you up or they'll maybe you know think that they can push you around a little bit bluff you more try to do things like that you know aggression is a big thing in poker sometimes they'll pour on the aggression because they know i mean in general women aren't considered to be super aggressive and so when i sat down as a guy it was so different first of all nobody talked to me which is great i was like i like poker for that i like to just play and just chill I mean, I like being social, but I also like sometimes just not having a smile. And I've had guys say to me stuff like, oh, take off your glasses so we can see your eyes. And, you know, I'm like, come on, guys, let's just play. <laughs> and yeah, so, right. um, yeah, but not all guys, but, you know, it happens a lot. And um, just to be able to sit down and play cards like a poker player, meaning I have two cards. I'm going to make the best decision based on these cards, my position, and who I think these other people are. And just to be able to do that and not have that added element of, and they perceive me as being a woman, so they think I can't play, or they think I'm not aggressive, or they think they can outbully me, or, you know, all that didn't come along with it. So, yeah, I definitely have always seen better results playing in that disguise. Now, my goal would be to learn to play that well as a woman, like the the pros do. Okay. And what do you think, what do you think is like, what do you think the next step in doing that is for you? Like, you're analyzing your game, obviously, or whatever, but what do you think is, say, keeping you from making that jump? You know, when I when I worked with these women that are in the movie, and everybody from, you know, Kristen Bicknell to Jennifer Harmon, Liv Bree, Lonnie Harwood, Kelly Minkin, these are very well-known women in poker. They've made millions of dollars. One thing I noticed about them is that they are extremely dedicated to study. Um, they study the game. They understand the game. And it's just like anything else in life. You know, when you are at the top of your game, whether you're a surgeon or you're a cook, a chef, or you're a hairdresser, when you're at the top of your game, you're at the top of your game. And gender just disappears. And in fact, when you when you watch players like these that I just mentioned play in these high limit games where literally they're calling a $75,000 bet just because they want to see his cards and not have that wonder if he, they were bluffed. <laughs> yeah, I've seen that. Right. You know, we talked about that. You go home wondering if you should have folded. Um, I, had a, I saw a woman put $75,000 down. She's like, I want to see what you have. And so, yeah. so when you see at that level, 
um, then the gender thing kind of drops away. Yeah. Right. Well, and I think that was one of the interesting aspects I got from the documentary was, yes, you know, you're, you're watching this because you think you're in it for the evolution of the women in poker. But not only that, from watching this, you really start to like their story, their background, like even the way Esther breaks down the, the game of poker for somebody, you know, of how, how she how she plays poker and how she does it for a living. And, you know, the whole analogy of golf is really lines it out well, but. The interesting part is a lot of these women have a story and some of the stories that you're getting from this documentary, you kind of want to know more, which is, you know, I was like, I really want to ask her more questions and stuff like that. So there's a lot more to it than just the actual poker part of this documentary. Learning some of the things and how these women started playing the game was pretty intriguing, too. Oh, thank you. And, you know, I'm, I'm starting to put up videos, outtakes. Well, they're not lit- literally outtakes, but they're video footage that was not used in the uh, documentary. Oh, okay. And I'm starting to, I've been uh, starting to put those up. So we'll get some more of those stories that didn't make it into the movie because you're right. They have a lot of, they're interesting women. I mean, who's a woman that makes $6 million a year playing a card game? Yeah, it's right? awesome. <laughs> and such a variety of women because I went to your website, thepokerqueensmovie.com. And just going over all the women, like it says, Linda Johnson worked for the UP, uh, United States Postal Service. Christy Arnett was a soccer, a soccer star that had a, a college scholarship for soccer. <laughs> this girl, Kay- Kayla, Kayla had direct sales. It was doing direct sales. You know, I mean, so many. Yeah. yeah. And you have, you know, Jennifer Tilly, an actress. Yeah. There's, you know, yourself, yeah. Sandra, who's, you know, movie director, you know, and did all this stuff in L.A. first before even poker was entered you know it's such a vast variety of backgrounds yet you guys are all integral players in the the world of poker yeah and it's so fun you mentioned it before that and we say it in the movie many times that anybody can play poker and and, you know even if you're a woman i think the woman that took the bracelet last year was in her 70s i mean um these are women that spent a lifetime they've spent a lifetime studying the game and they're good and they're confident and you know just the fact that even when we're retired or when we decide to, uh, you know, do something for fun that's not maybe super physical, it doesn't matter. Anybody can sit down and, and do and hold a couple of cards and, and learn the game. With all the top women that you got to, you know, interact with and, and do the documentary with and stuff, like, is there a certain thing that you noticed in each of them where you go, okay, now I, now I can see why they're so good at poker or I'm not sure if I'm wording that right. But. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Well, it's just, you know, it's probably a cliche, but uh, I think in combination with the second element, it's not such a cliche. Um, the first thing is, is that these women are extraordinarily competitive, meaning, I mean, we have one woman say that she couldn't even go to the elevator without it being sort of a race. Who gets to the button? <laughs> first? Right. Everything's a competition and they love that. They, they have that killer instinct. They love the fight. They love the game. They want to take it all and highly competitive. But the, the thing that really drives it home is that so many of them grew up with parents who absolutely supported that. It was never, you know, act like a lady or, you know, tone it down a bit. It was like, is this what you want to do? Um, well, are you sure? Okay. You know, and when they were kids, they were allowed to play all sports, yeah. in, right. you know, including football. And, you know, they were encouraged to do, you know, just whatever they wanted to do to compete and were given a lot of support. And gosh, you know, if I don't have kids, but if I did, that's a great lesson to learn that the huge impact a parent can have on a child's life just by being supportive that way. Yeah. yeah. Right. And it, and it, and it does say a lot because I think it was Lonnie Harwood's story of, you know, her dad saying, you know, she's got a complete college and then, you know, he would back her for her first tournament. Uh-huh. Yeah. So that was really and neat. He to drove see. her. Yeah. He yeah. drove it's her to the next state re- or whatever. <laughs> really neat to see, you know, it go hand in hand. And even it was Esther who was like, you know, her father was a minister, so she had a long conversation ahead of her. So it, it was really intriguing. A lot of the stories we get out of this. I, I do have one more question. Um, it's sure. sort of a long question, but just after, just out of coincidence, after I had watched the documentary, I subscribed to Card Player Magazine, and there happened to be an article in there about Kristen Bignell, who was um, the number one, what they considered the number one woman player in the world. You know, part of the article it went through, it said, you know, I think it's great. She goes, but I want to get to a place where I'm not the number one woman player in the world, but at the same time, the number 50 poker player 
in the world. In other words, there was like such a big difference. She just wants to be considered like, you know, a great poker player, doesn't want to be titled the woman or, or whatever. And what I was wondering is back in the day, there was like, you know, the money maker effect, you know, when he won because he did the online thing and poker blew up after that. Yeah, he's an average guy. Uh, he satellite in for like forty bucks and ended up winning millions. Yeah, right. And so in the in the documentary, it was saying uh, I can't remember who it was. I think it was Angelica Hale, who mm -hmm. said that there's tw uh, the World Poker Tour viewers. It's at about twenty five percent, and then the mem members are about twenty five percent. But in the live, actually sit sitting down at the table, women only constitute about four percent of the players. So do you think if a woman was to win, like, the main event, do you think that would have sort of a moneymaker effect for the women? Do you think it would just explode for them after that? Yes, I do. Absolutely. I think it's going to make a huge—and it's going to happen pretty soon, I think. I'm surprised it hasn't happened already. I kind of thought it might happen last year. Why uh, do you but... feel that it's so low at only 4%? I was really surprised at that number, because I, I, now I see women— you know, especially, you know, working in a casino and being in that department, I see women pretty frequently. And so when I saw that it was only 25% viewers, but then even less than that, only the 4%, what do you think keeps them watching but keeps them from going in? Is it just the intimidation factor completely? My experience has been is that a lot of people, men and women, but especially I hear more from women that don't know how to play poker initially, are scared to learn almost. They almost don't want to know about it. You're like, oh, no, 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 I can't play that game. And I think it's because poker's always had this reputation of of having people that are just going to, just, just going to, just going to, what's the right word, guys? They're just going to take <laughs> you down. Take you, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, like the sharps, yeah. the hard sharps or whatever. And, hard sharks. You know, and then, yes. And you're so afraid of like being in that position before you're ready and whoever feels ready for that. And, 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 you know, if you ever do walk in a poker room, um, a lot of people notice that, and we kind of go over this in the movie, you know, guys are looking tough, you know, yeah, they've got their big hoodies on and they've yeah. got their stone cold face, poker face on. And, you know, they just look tough a lot of times. And that's part of the game is to try to intimidate a little bit. And I know it sounds, it sounds so juvenile in a way, all these little things about aggression and intimidation, but the, the game really is a friendly game. It's just... It's just like any other competition. You know, you see boxers do it. It's just like when it comes down to head-to-head, -to -head, there is that killer instinct that comes up. And when a woman walks into a room like that, I, I, it's controversial, but I often say that we learn as women that's not a good place to be, a big room full of aggressive men, and you're the only woman. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, on some level, on a like subconscious level, we've learned maybe not there. Yeah. <laughs> and it's funny and because... So I, yeah, it's funny i just i never none of this ever caught my attention you know the women in poker and how limited that number was because like i said and you know last week uh, when we go play at the casinos a lot of the times it's more women than men that i see and especially at the blackjack right. tables i'm used to seeing women at the table so I, it never occurred to me that you know there it was such a lopsided difference when it comes to poker yeah well, see, and, and back in the day for me, like I like I had said on the, the other thing, Jay, was, uh, you know, about 15 years ago when the poker boom was really at its peak, I used to date somebody and she would go in and she learned poker and she would go and she'd be at a table with me or whatever. But she literally would be the only person, only female person at that table. And it was that way for a couple years, wow. even though people were watching it, she, and I saw people slow play, you know, honey, don't put your money in. Yeah. You don't want to bet against me. Or, you know, if it was me in there, they would have put that extra bet in and got some extra money out of me. But out of her, they would just check, you know, they, they wouldn't take, they wouldn't want to take more money wow. or it would be the complete opposite where they would just bully her, get the hell out of it. You know, they would overly bet. Yeah. You know, maybe against me, they would bet $20, but because it's her, they threw in $60 because they just wanted to to out. scare her out of the hand. Wow. But now, you know, go ahead 15 years, we go up into our poker room and half the table are women now. And the women are giving it back to the guys, you know, from what I've seen, just as good as the guys are giving it to them. They're talking the table trash. They're, yeah. they're joking around. They're, you know, I, I don't mean to be demeaning, but they're literally one of the guys, yeah. if that makes sense, you know? Sure. And yeah. it's just changed so much. And, but back in the day, 
it just, it was not like that. It literally was, my girlfriend would be the only one at the table. And I think it's great. I, I think it's awesome. It's good for the game. It's good for the players. It's good for the casinos. It's good for everybody if more women play poker. In Palm Springs, I have a house in Palm Springs, and, you know, the casinos out, you know, there are a lot more local, sort of, and they have a lot more women. The casinos like Commerce and Bicycle, which we would consider, like, you know, top-level card rooms, tend to have more men playing the higher stakes especially. Uh, But if women start to feel comfortable enough I, I'm, I'm understanding the game I'm, I'm learning how to make good decisions I'm going to take my beats and I'm going to learn this thing and I'm going to get there if more women get into that room uh, then more women are, it's going to attract more it's going to be exponential it's just going to keep growing and especially as you said if a woman takes a big big uh, I mean Kristen Bicknell just won the poker masters that's the first time a woman right. has won that and now if if main event um, at the world series of poker happens yeah, the women are going to start coming out feeling a little bit more comfortable. And again, the casinos make more money. The male players make more money. And it's just more fun for everybody. Do you think it would be enough of a, an effect to give it another poker boom if a, if a woman won it? Like, would it be that? Do you think it would be that big of a boom again? You know, it's hard to say because primarily the reason why is because there's also things about the game of poker that are not really sort of in line sometimes with the way women typically are. And I'll speak for myself and my experience as a woman that, um, you know, I tend to like to multitask. Like I'll have my phone going and the TV going and talking on the phone, you know, at the same time. Where men are very good at being very, you know, single focused and and sometimes in a live game, especially um, in the live poker rooms where you're not doing multi-tabling like you could do online, you're waiting and waiting and waiting and then you fold and then you're waiting and you're waiting and you're waiting. And that's not fun for a lot of women (laughs) that like a little more action. Some women just tell me I'm just bored, you know, so I'm not sure the boom would be exactly the same because our minds are slightly different. Sometimes some women are not into math and there's a lot of math involved with poker sometimes. Um, So I'm not sure how it would go, but it would certainly I think it would certainly springboard a good you know, we might get up into the double digits, like very strong up into the double digits if that were to happen. And see, I was telling a friend of mine that, you know, that I had watched this documentary and he's in the business as well. He's a co-worker of mine. And I told him that it could if somebody was to win, it could have that kind of effect, because even guys, if, you know, they're sitting at home and they're watching ESPN, the the, the main event, it, you know, if a, if a woman did win, maybe I know this sounds very sexist, but I could see guys saying, well, heck, she did it. I could do it. You know what I mean? Like, I never I thought see... of that. That's so yeah. true. Yeah. That yeah. is so true. Makes I sense. mean, I never you thought know, of it the, that way, but the, it would. Yeah. The same way that Moneymaker, you know, wow, he did it for 40 bucks. Right. Well, I have an online account. I could do that. Well, I could see a woman winning it. And the same thing where a guy's like, well, hell, a woman won it. I, I could get into this thing. I could do that. Yeah. <laughs> and so I don't, I don't know. I I I don't want it to seem sexist. I don't I don't mean it in that way in any no, derogatory no. way. But I could see guys sitting around going, dude, we could do this. Yeah. You know, and just hopping in, you know? Good for us. It'd be good for us because they don't play as well. And we'd be like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask you this. If you had to pick five women, who do you think the five women that would have a legitimate shot at winning that tournament? Oh, okay. Um, what Lonnie Harwood. Uh, Kristen Bicknell, Kathy Liebert. Uh, no, I remember her from, like I said, from like 15 years ago. She was on a lot of the World Poker Tour um, TV shows and everything like that. But she's a name that you don't, it's not out there as much as it used to be. Is is she, and I don't mean this in a demeaning way, is she still as strong as she used to be? It's a name that I don't hear as often. Yeah, it's funny. You know, um, I think with media, they gravitate. I mean, God, let's be real there. You know, when a woman is like really sensational on camera and vivacious, like a Maria Ho or something like that, you know, they tend to gravitate towards that. And Kathy Liebert, who I have an enormous amount of respect for, she's very sedated, you know, yeah, you know she's, she's, she's the kind of inner, if you had her on the show, she's the kind of interview that might, you know, speaking kind of monosyllabic a little bit, like <laughs> she's just very chill and yeah. doesn't really expand on things and just very quiet. So she tends not to get that media attention, but even last year at the WSOP, Every time I went down and they were getting down to the last 20 tables, there she was. She was cashing and cashing and cashing. I think she's almost near $7 million now. Wow. wow. Okay, so you got uh, Lieber, right? Bicknell, uh, Lieber. Bicknell, 
uh, Lonnie Harwood, Kelly Minkin. I think Kelly Minkin has a lot of potential. And for number five, you know, I really feel like it's going to be one of those women that's just from nowhere, you know, like Minnesota, Mint Hill, Minnesota. <laughs> that, like, up, it's going to be that golden girl, man. And so my fifth answer is the golden girl from Mint Hill, Nebraska. <laughs> I like it. Now, uh, one other thing, you know, when you get a group of women together, they're very, they can be bickerish or very competitive or very catty with each other. And I know that you did that that poker room suite where the girls could go and they could chill and everything else. That group didn't seem that way. They seemed very supportive of each other and very um, uh, just, you know, supportive, helping each other out, giving each other uh uh, support and stuff like that. It, it, is that a, a different type of group, that dynamic? Because like I said, if I get my wife and four other girls, somehow they're talking, you know, they're talking gossip behind each other's back, not in a dirty way, but they, you know, they're a little catty and they say little things. That group didn't seem like that. It, it, is it just a different dynamic because they know that they're in this small little clique, that there's like a special bond there or... Well, there's a lot of competitiveness between the women, definitely. Um, you know, even when it comes to like sponsorships, which are a big part of a, a, a professional poker player's income, um, you know, it's there's a lot of competitiveness. And so um, without maybe going to the length of saying any sort of cattiness, I would say that in the poker palace where we had this large room set up for the women to come up and chill and and just relax or even spend the night. Which I thought there. was a great idea, by the way. I, I really like that. I, I wish the guys would do it. <laughs> <laughs> it was great and we had like all these different snacks and we even had free massage and even free chiropractic kind of thing because you you know you're sitting so often and so right. long i think when they would come up there they recognized that this was a super friendly environment some of them are friends i mean kelly minkin and lonnie harwood and esther taylor are like three peas in a pot nice. they right. love each other and can't say enough good things about each other and then there's an enormous amount of respect between the other poker players amongst themselves but there's also that nature where they're like I really respect you and you play a good game, but if it's me or you, it's going to be me. (laughs) (laughs) And that's what I mean. Like, like, is there a drive between, between themselves to be, I got to be that first one to win the world series of poker main event. Like, is there that kind of dynamic between anybody where they have that competitiveness, but it's like, is it a little divisive where it's going to, you know, they're, they're all driven to be that first one, or is it not really there? It is there in some respects, but I wouldn't put it in sort of maybe a, a dark way. I would think that it's just like, let's say you have two pro football teams and there are maybe brothers on opposite teams. One's on the Jets and one's on the Rams, let's say. And, you know, they end up in the Super Bowl. Well, each of them really wants it. And at the same time, they're kind of happy for the other person, too, if they right. get it. It's just good, you know, it's good to when you when you care about somebody or even just being, you know, gender centric and saying, hey, you know what, she's a woman, I'm a woman, this is good for us. I think they'll be happy for the other one. But deep down inside, each one of them would love to be, you know, on top. Right. And then, you know, a big part of the television and, and you know, a big part of the World Series there for years was personality. You know, Greg Raymer won it with the dinosaur eyeglasses and, you know, Moneymaker had that great story and Nugranu just has a great personality or whatever. Is there somebody in that group that that really, they're just made for TV and if this person wins, they're just, it's going to be phenomenal because they just have that that TV personality that's just going to grab everybody? Yeah, it's Liv Burry. She's, she's just beautiful, and she's, I mean, she showed up for our interview with literally no makeup on and did the interview with literally no makeup on. I mean, I, I got close to her and mic'd her. I would say I think maybe some lip gloss a little bit, but, like, it was just crazy how beautiful she was. And then you turn a camera on her. I mean, not only is she brilliant, she's an astrophysicist, basically. Yeah, she's geez. not only brilliant, yeah, and able to talk about just, I mean, a myriad of things that would just blow your mind in terms of quantum physics and all kinds of stuff like that. She's thought provoking. She's very, very quick on her feet. She's beautiful. She's got that face for, for the camera and you know, she loves the the game of poker. Now she has a lot of other interests, but if she were to actually just stop those and turn towards poker alone, um, she already, you know, rules out there, but she, she could be that, 
that personality. That for personality. Sure. Okay. And she's been around for years because that's a name that I've heard for a while now. Yeah, she's beautiful. She's beautiful and she doesn't age and she's just fun to be around and super positive and um, yeah, just a fun person to talk to. I mean, it was hard to cut anything out that she said in her interview. We'll have a lot more stuff to share. She's just funny. She's got a great personality with a lot of dimensions to it. Now, do any of them have the wacky personality? Just so over the top. I guess Jennifer Tilly's kind of, right? She sort of has that wacky personality kind of, right? Which I, I would think is good for TV as well. I, uh, yeah, just, of course, she's a natural. Yeah, it, it's funny. Like, anytime she speaks, it just sounded great. She, We sat down for the interview, and, I mean, it was funny because her smoke alarm was going off, you know, chirp. <laughs> so here I am. I, I'm up on a, one of her beautiful chairs. She has two houses like next to each other. So I'm up on one of her beautiful chairs in one of her beautiful houses trying to pull down the smoke alarm because, you know, I'm, I'm like Miss Techie. I'm going to do this for her. And uh, which reminded me of that movie she was in, Bound, which yeah. was with Gina Gershon, where Gina Gershon's yeah. her handyman. Um, anyway, and uh, <laughs> and um you know, I pull it down. We we get it. We get the camera going, and as soon as I hit record, she just spoke the entire time. And I told her, I said, I know you're on your way to you know Rome or whatever. We can do this for 15 minutes. I was so thrilled just to be in, have her in the movie. I would take whatever she had to say, and um, she ended up talking for about 35, 40 minutes straight. It was just wow. one story after the other. So yes, she does have that. Um, she's, I think. Um, well, I'm not sure. She loves poker. I, I'm not sure she would be that personality that, that rises as sort of that new TV face or whatever, but everybody loves Kelly Minkin too. But yeah, Jennifer Tilly's definitely a natural. Yeah, and I've always thought that Tilly and Phil, they're like the perfect poker couple, especially for TV because they're both over the top. You know, Phil <laughs> and then Antonio and that, that whole, you know, the three of them together is just, it's a crack up every time you have them on a table. I met him at the house, and I said, thanks a lot, Phil. <laughs> 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 you really, you really, you really did it for us on the masks. Oh, he's a nice guy. He's a quiet guy. He's a nice guy, though. So one of the things I did want to ask you about is the catcalling scene, where there's a part where you're all dressed up, all pretty girled up, and you're walking through a parking lot. Me and Kelly were watching it, and it immediately stuck out to me, and I was curious if I'm right or not on this one. Was that at Commerce? Think about it. That was at Commerce, yes. I remember because I kind of parked Before, in the same area yeah. <laughs> when you're walking through the parking lot. I'm like, I swear to God, that's <laughs> Commerce Casino. Yeah, it's such a degenerate, I know. So, so of, I have these glasses that, that yeah. are actually sunglasses, but they have a camera in the middle of your eyes. Right. And so that's how I was able to capture a lot of that footage. He's like, hey, honey, I'm trying to talk to you. Get over here. <laughs> he said way more than that. <laughs> I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. <laughs> he said way more than that you know i'm all dolled up i've got these glasses on and you kind of have to hit the record button next to your ear and i'm thinking you know okay i'm gonna hit the record button once yeah. i you know go through doors and as i'm starting to walk this guy starts going <laughs> after me and i'm like uh, so i turned i literally turned around like a u-turn and started walking away and i'm like hit record hit record he's still so with the the making of this documentary and you know i don't know how much feedback you're getting recently you know i know we've been getting pretty good feedback about it so i wanted to ask you do you think this would create any other future uh, documentaries related to gambling at all in that nature or do you think you know this is kind of a one and done this was a story purpose and i'll see what else happens after here i'd like you to see just a part two of this yes. follow up with the same one yes I, uh, first of all, you know, I can't even tell you how difficult this was one year that it took to make this only, which is a very fast turnaround in a documentary. And honestly, we know when you're done with something really, really big, yeah. you're like, never again. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you just feel like never again. Um, I'm still sort of there, but I do have somebody, the producer really, really wants to turn the story of dressing as a man to play poker into a screenplay, which would be like a regular feature film with like a Sandra Bullock who dresses as a man to play poker. Oh, wow. Because there are a lot of stories that aren't actually nice. in the movie. Yeah. So that, that could be a possible project. But again, you know, I'm 
it's hard too because we're quarantined so it's a perfect yes. time to write it right <laughs> right totally get it you know what sandra has that has that hurt you a little bit with this movie with the release the way that it came out and then the the, the virus hit us at the same time have you not been able to promote it like like you normally would or is it still how it normally would have played out yeah, it's sort of a mixed bag because on the one hand, we really couldn't do a press release. Um, press releases cost thousands, sometimes of dollars if you do them on a national level. And if you're trying to cross over from just the poker community, because we got a lot of coverage in the poker community, but to cross over into mainstream, um, you have to be, it has to be the right time and the right message to send a press release article out. We did have one ready for the movie, but nothing can compete with what's going on in the news right now, right. nothing. Yeah. And so we decided that we would do the press release once the World Series of Poker actually announced that they were canceling, and which they did today. And so we might do the press release in the next day or two. Um, on the other side though, where would you ever have an opportunity where poker players are not in the casino, but rather exactly. at home exactly. looking for something yeah. to walk right. that. So in a certain way, that was just like a perfect you know, um, situation right. for a movie to come out. Yeah. So a lot of movies have really benefited, I think, from that. Obviously, you know, we've touched on, you know, a couple of the different personalities throughout this documentary. And, you know, we have questions and I hope that this can lead into, you know, future guests for the podcast. And, you know, hopefully this drives traffic your way. And I hope this does a lot of good things for one another. But, you know, I think, like we said, an hour's already flown by. And I still feel like there's more There's more to it that's more intriguing about the story, everything to it. But, man, we could sit here and talk for days. I already know us very well. <laughs> but I think the one thing I do, I wanted to touch on and have you do is let people know how they can get a hold of you. Check out, the uh, obviously, your work, a little bit of where you're at on Twitter. How can people find you? Okay. Um, well, first, the movie itself is really primarily the best way to get in touch with anything about the movie, including if you'd like to have a Lonnie Harwood on or, you know, somebody like that in the future. Um, the movie itself is a good place to start. And at the website, Poker Queens Movie, um, there's places where you can either contact, reach out, find out more about the movie. Also, you can get direct links to both Amazon and Vimeo if you're outside the U.S. to watch the movie. So I would say the best place to go is PokerQueensMovie.com. And, you know, I just really uh, was so pleased that, that you took the time to watch the movie, that you were open to, you know, the, the unconventional storytelling and that you were so positive. And you, I'm sure your friends tell you, too. I mean, the show is great. And, Julian, you just radiate so much positivity. I really appreciate that. Well, it's fun to do. The community's the best. And meeting people like you and having the opportunity to just chat with folks like you is why we do this. You know, in the beginning, it was, hey, what the hell are we going to talk about? Now it's hey, how much time do we have, you know? What will you, so it really is. It's fun to do. Everybody that's a part of this, I love. And, you know, I, I wouldn't do anything else if I didn't have extra time. So I love this stuff. So thank you. It does mean a lot. But for the most part, we're going to wrap it up here, guys. This has been a blast. I mean, Sandra, I know there's more to it we want to add to you. We can probably do a, a second episode down here in the future. I do want to line up some... Uh, some personalities get some good stories but in the end i think that's what comes from all of this is the good stories the work that goes into making this the personalities that went into this and you know some of the work you had to put in 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 part of putting this whole thing together absolutely yeah, thank you yep absolutely and thanks for entertaining us the three of you are great on the podcast so easy to listen to you know always bouncing things off always fun and you just you just make it fun because we can't be in a casino right now but listening to you sometimes it makes it feel almost like we're there we are and sad sandra, we do miss it twitter we do miss it oh yeah we need sandra's twitter yeah if you look on uh if you look on twitter and just look up the name poker queens it'll take you to my twitter which is black widow poker Definitely. Yeah. So again, I do. I want to thank you times a million for coming on and spending some time with us. Uh, I will have this up uh, later this week. I'm looking forward to the feedback we're going to get. I'm looking for, you know, the community to just get in touch with you and give you feedback about it because I know they're enjoying it. I've had people message oh, me already about it. So I'm looking yeah, forward to I've the... already been getting it on Twitter, too. Yeah. Nice. Thanks a lot, guys. That means so much. Thank hey, you. For no worries. Me. This has been a pleasure. One of my newer favorite documentaries out there. And I did mention a couple of months ago, hey, you guys, you know, 
there's some documentaries I wanted to mention, but this one took the cake. I mean, this was we had the chance to talk to the actual creator and the the whole goings on and into it. So I think that was a lot more pleasurable than anything. So again, I do. And the other, go ahead. The other thing, like I was saying too, it's only an hour and twenty minutes, and yeah. during this quarantine, an hour and twenty minutes to to watch a documentary is it's nothing. Right. And it, it's it, and the way that it, it it's uh, produced, you know, it's a very it, it doesn't even feel like an hour and 20. I couldn't believe it was over other than I stopped to keep taking notes. Yeah. But the, the movie flowed really good. It, it was really interesting. And the hour and 20 minutes, it flew by. So people out there, you know, you're home looking for stuff to do anyway. An hour and 20 minutes is nothing. And it's well worth it. Right. Especially, especially if you're that gambling junkie trying to get to a casino where the doors are closed like us. We love watching stuff like this. So really, <laughs> our hat's off to you. You did a great job on this documentary. Very much. Thank oh, thanks a lot, guys. Stay safe and have a great week. Hey, no worries. And to the listeners, we have this coming out this week. We got another interview lined up later in the month. Uh, if you guys enjoyed this, definitely do us a favor. Reach out to us at our email, VegasConfessionsPod at gmail.com. Reach out to us on Twitter. Let us know you enjoyed the episode. Share it. Let your friends know about it. And you guys definitely go give Sandra a follow at Black Widow Poker. And until next time, guys, cheers. 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 Shook it